Empower Radio presents the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Crawl. Hello and welcome everyone. You're listening to the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Each week we gather right here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. Life, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out a statement. I want to I wanna just have you really hear this first sentence. Life may depend on you befriending non-human perspectives. Like, what? What does that mean? And I just want to say, yes, <laughs> radiant diversity, nourishing empathy, co-creating the conditions for diversity to flourish. What does all of this mean? We are going to dedicate this hour to exploring and remembering the essential nature of our life-enhancing diversity and the essential role that we all play in it. Seven Days of Rest is an annual global event that takes place the first week of January every year, the first week of the year. The aim of the event is to begin the new year by co-creating a global unified field of intention and experience dedicated to the healing and replenishment of the planet and all its inhabitants. The event provides an open, co-creative space for individuals and groups around the world to freely share and self-organize online and also create physical events such as retreats, webinars, meditations, ceremonies, sacred activism, artistic expressions, and more. So, the 2020 theme, Radiant Diversity. Mm. Don't you love how that even just sounds? Radiant Diversity is dedicated to exploring and remembering the essential nature of life-enhancing diversity. It's a beautiful time to cultivate our capacity to engage with ourselves, each other, and the world around us with greater empathy and wisdom and learn about the vitalizing nature of our similarities our differences, and our complementarities. So I invite you to take a few deep breaths, open your mind and heart, and settle into your essential wholeness. As I introduce our guest, we've had her here several times. She's one of my favorite people on the planet, Dr. Shelley Ostroff. She's an author, activist, artist, leadership consultant, and social entrepreneur, focusing on initiating and supporting whole systems healing processes on a global level. She's the founder of TogetherInCreation.org and Seven Days of Rest platforms and many other initiatives. There's a wealth of resources and initiatives under Shelley's belt, and I'll just focus you back to togetherincreation.org to, to find all of those healing and replenishing initiatives that she brings forward. And today, I am so happy to talk about Radiant Diversity. Welcome, Shelley. Thank you, Judy. Good to be here again. Mm. It's so good to be here with you. And um you know I have a traditional first question, and one time my guest, after being here several times, said, do I have to answer that question today? And I said, no. But today, I would love, Shelley, to put this in a different 
um, a little twist here. So, you know what this first traditional first question is, and we're talking about not only a whole worldview, but something very special today. So, can you share with our listeners, with the perspective of radiant diversity, what does all things connected mean? Mm. Um, yes, uh, for me right now, it's really connected. I mean, it's intertwined with the notion of diversity because all things connected um, evokes that sense of infinite diversity in the world and looks at the relationship between them. So it gives space both for uh, the unique uh, aspect of all parts of creation and looks at the relationship of connectedness and complementarity and unified the unified field that holds them all together in integrity. So the uh, piece about all things connected is if we can really imagine into uh, all things, what does all things really mean? And, you know, when you dive into that and think about the infinite uh, perspectives and beings and essences that exist, um, it's quite, it can be quite daunting and overwhelming because all things means that we really need to extend our um, capacity to imagine into all, into the allness of it, into the infinite variety that makes up life. And, uh, and then to actually look at what does it mean for all of these different aspects of life to actually be connected with each other. And so it's a wonderful, wonderful inspiration for me to really bring these, uh, you know, to really dive into diversity with, with this opening question. Mm. Thank you, Shelley. I want to just follow through with this idea because I think it's really exquisite some of the the language that you use and and when we're thinking about <clears throat> you imagine you asked us to imagine this infinite variety that makes up life of 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 all these different life forms and one of the first thing you said was the it was about the relationship between them Mm -hmm. So, you know, when we're talking about radiant diversity and this theme and looking at this unified field that holds everything together with integrity, it's not just let's save these species who are going extinct on the planet because they're beautiful and, you know, we'll miss them. It really is something so much more immense this call is really about the relationship between all these elements and then like you said holding life together in creation with with a sense of integrity i that's a that's a powerful way of looking at this radiant diversity isn't it hmm. uh, yeah i think you know one of the uh, transitions we're making in our as as consciousness evolves is to look not only at the parts but also at the relationships between them and so as diverse as the parts are so is the diversity of the relationships between the parts and when we pay attention to those invisible threads that connect us the patterns that connect us the qualities of relationship and the essences of relationship between all these uh, beings and all these essences and all these consciousnesses and intelligences and forms and patterns. Um, it's uh, it just is this in incredible weave. And, you know, there is the fractal concept of in everything you see the whole. Um, so 
when, when you dive into the microscopic elements and you see just, you know, uh, what happens within a grain of sand and then you extend it to the universe, um, it's, uh, and, and then see what holds this grain of sand, to, a grain of sand together um, with all other grains of sand, um, what holds our bodies together. You know, and we realize that what scientists and um, many, many of the spiritual, um, uh, ancient spiritual traditions talk about is that the field between us, this invisible field is full. And um, I think as we create, as we are really uh, coming to a close, I think, of this uh, paradigm of separate separateness and creating walls and fear um, around the issue of diversity, um, I think that we, you know, one of the the, the uh, potentialities that's happening is that we are learning a language of vibration. We're learning to look at the, we're learning to remember the um, invisible spaces between us and uh, to really pay attention to the immense diversity that makes up life and makes us resilient. Um, because if you take it in the other direction and you say, well, you know, what would we look like with less diversity. And unfortunately, we're also getting there, which is also triggering this shift in consciousness. Um, it, it would be, um, yeah. I mean, just imagine what life would look like without diversity. In mm -hmm. fact, would there be life without diversity? Would there be life? And that, see, that's going to go into deeper. We're going to go into this. Would there be life? And what is our role in this? I think that's a, a, a piece for all of us, all the friends out there listening to find themselves within this conversation. But I want to follow up on something you said, because it's beautiful. And then we'll go toward the beginning and, and take a journey here, because I think it's important to go back to the beginning of what called you into this expression of seven days of rest. But you mentioned the language of vibration and you say how we reconnect with that language of vibration that primal language of life can you say more about that now before we move forward because i don't want to i don't want to miss this opportunity to really mm -hmm. deepen into that um well there's so much to say about it uh um i think that's when I have spent hours and hours listening to the language of vibration for myself and trying to learn it and understand that this is the language of life, that the language of human beings as we live it today is a, quite a reductionist language, um, which really looks at the separate parts and creates causal relationships between the parts in our minds. Um, the language of vibration um, is for me, it's, it's really around the harmonies of the universe and the by diverse expressions of these harmonies, the diverse languages of these harmonies. And if you, you know, many scientists will today will say that basically all we are is vibration. And it's these energetic strands of vibration that hold us together as in our coherent uh, nodes within this um, tapestry of vibrational threads that are weaving through us and everything is motion. And so humans are limited in our ability to really see the, um, the vibrational fields that, um, that connect us. And, um, but other, other animals, I think, see far more than we do. Um, so our sense of separateness is very reinforced by uh, focusing on our primary senses. 
but the ancients uh, who spent a lot of time really dialoguing with nature would um, would use this vibrational uh, language to commune with the different elements. And they would speak to the stones and to the rivers and to the different animals and to the stars. And in that imaginative um, and uh, deep communion using, it's almost like a, an embodied practice of giving yourself to commune with another consciousness that works on a different vibrational level. There's uh, a bridging that uh, it's almost like a poetic bridging that enables us to begin to sense into the essence of that other being, learn its language, um, even if it's very, very partial, but it does extend our capacity to relate to life from a less human-centered perspective and a more uh, connected perspective. And in so doing, if I commune uh, intentionally with the water, that I'm about to drink or with a river or with a stone or with an animal or um, with any other, even with a, a, uh, an abstract concept um, and, and you, the, the essence comes to commune with you, uh, whether it be, for instance, peace. Okay, peace is not an object, but when you, it, it is a consciousness. Climate is a consciousness. And when you actually commune with that consciousness, give yourself to really allowing it to, to impact you in, your, in an embodied and holistic way, there's so much revelation that comes from it. And so it's a practice I've been developing for, for, for many years, and I just feel very much like a beginner with it. But it is something that feels like many, many people are beginning to, it's stirring in it's stirring in the uh, consciousness of many people, which is also, I think, inviting us to return to the wisdom keepers who, for, for whom this language is very natural. Many of the indigenous people speak this language. It's, it's the language of, uh, of the heart in relationship to life. And uh, so I think that there is this intuitive and essential return to looking to those wisdom keepers who, who, who speak with these, uh, speak this vibrational language, know how to commune um, with the the, uh, with the different essences and patterns of creation in much more direct ways. And these are the people that I believe are going to lead, uh, lead us forward in being able to expand ourselves to really understand what radiant diversity is and what, you know, how life in its uh, ingenuity has created these, um, this infinite variety of life forms, each with their own language and yet with enough um, connectivity and, and codes and uh, ability to commune that really allows for this to hold together as a whole. Mm. Oh, let's all take a breath with that. How mm -hmm. magnificent. I'm like in this place of <clears throat> just inspiration thinking about all the different ways that we can practice this communion. And we're going to talk about more of that later in the show here too, but also developing our capacity to effectively communicate within this vibrational frequency and really understand this primal language. I'm thinking about, um, Shelly, that I have a little Shih Tzu dog she's 10 years old almost 11 now <clears throat> and um early on a, a dog whisperer was telling me how to communicate with her and teach her because she, we were having some troubles with with her and it, now this is just an example but i love this i'm thinking about the white lions i'm thinking about 
the stones, the water, the everything that you were talking about, I'm thinking about even this practice. I literally can just tune into her favorite place to go. <laughs> we have a person who always dog sits for us when we're leaving and I could be anywhere in the house and I could just recall in my mind a picture of Sheila holding Sheila and their home and tuning into that vibrational frequency just like you're talking about peace or the climate I hold that and all of a sudden out comes my dog running to the door all excited her tag her tail's wagging and she just like totally understands she's right there she we're communicating non-verbally and we all have that potential it's so exciting to think of this so you have some prescriptions for us we're going to talk about all kinds of ways that we can literally come into our unique relationship in harmony and radiant diversity with all life. But first, let's just take a stroll backwards, Shelley, foundationally speaking, and go back to May of 2017. You had a powerful vision. And that envision, that vision informed the seven days of rest. And here we are, we're every first week of the year, January 1 through 7, the world comes together to rest and replenish and there's so much more to this vision and you know i'm a a huge supporter and fan of this so come back go back to may of 2017 and tell us this vision and move us forward through the the three years now of of Mm -hmm. where you've been so in may 2017 i had a vision it was a very powerful vision it was almost Well, it was Mother Earth asking for seven days of rest. Um, And um, I didn't quite understand it immediately, but what I really saw was people across the world coming together to hold intentional space and create a collective field of intention um, for recalibrating Mother Earth to that restful state from which she can begin to heal. So it was almost, I was envisioning a moratorium of noise, a moratorium of all uh, activity and people really holding space for that restful place where we can recalibrate with the natural healing rhythms of life. So um, I think in all our concern today, you know, we realize that Mother Earth is a living organism and that we have actually um, really brought her to a point um, where uh, life on Earth as we know it is threatened. We've been abusing uh, the resources. And so this concern of us doing all the time to her without really asking permission, without taking a, a moment to understand the consequences of our action, this, this kind of trauma vortex that we were in, was really asking for hold on, let's just, you know, take take a moment together to recalibrate. And so um, I didn't, I wasn't sure what this would look like, but uh, began working towards it and um, partners came on board and uh, my, um, my partner, Jan Golding, came on board uh, when he heard about it and was, as together we really created the first event uh, in 2018, January the 1st to the 7th, which was dedicated to the reca- to rest, 
you know, seven days of rest. And that was the first stage of what I saw as a healing spiral. Because when, when something is out of balance, the first thing they need is rest. And from there, you can begin to diagnose, you can begin to kind of understand what the root cause is. But first, you really need to take away the noise so that one can relax and also allow the immune system to kick in and the uh, causes to become visible and to create the, the environment where, where uh, for the healing to begin to happen. So the first event, um, it, it's a co-creative event. It invites people from all over the world to join and initiate groups and, and events and just hold space in whatever way they feel right. So this is also really about diversity because what I understand very for myself very clearly is that it has to um, – life expresses itself and needs these diverse voices. So it has to come from everywhere simultaneously in many, many different languages. And the picture was really of this co-creative event where people would self-initiate and bring their diverse voices to the whole and in that strengthen the resilience of the whole, uh, strengthen the expression of the whole. And if we're talking about the vibrational language, you know, there's, there's scientific uh, evidence that when people meditate together, there's a very, very strong field that's created around them that has a physical impact. I think we already know that when we meditate on water and there's extraordinary evidence that water carries memory and we are, we contain water. Uh, so all of these, um, this information that we're learning, relearning is surfacing and we're beginning to understand more and more how to use this consciously. And so creating events like this invites uh, invites us as a collective, as a species, to strengthen that force field of healing for the world. So the second event, uh, after the first event, it was uh, um, really the, 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 the insight was that we needed to do this at least for seven years. There was a spiral that was of healing that was being asked for. And the second um, event at the beginning of 2018 uh, was really dedicated to re-establishing right relationship with the foundations of life um, because it felt like in our disconnect from nature, in our disconnect from the ways of Mother Earth, we had actually um, forgotten um, what we are made of and what the foundations of life are and how dependent we are on these foundations. We had, we had seen them as resources uh, for humans to use and not really honored them as an essential part of creation and the foundation of what, you know, of our existence and our nourishment and our survival. And um, so it was really about reestablishing right relationship and protecting and honoring earth and water and fire and air and climate and biodiversity and the web of life. And also the honoring of the sacred relationship between the masculine and feminine, which is also a primal force of creation and of um, the stewardship of life as it is meant to be. So that was the second year. It was a very powerful event as well. And I was, you know, it, it, it was very, very um, inspiring and heartwarming to really um, co-create this with so many diverse partners across the world who came on board and recognized this, the potential of the healing of the event. And at the end of last year, it was very clear that this year needed to be about, um, about diversity because if last year was about the foundations, um, this year was really about um, the, one of the primal essences of life, which is diversity. It's the way life creates itself. It's by differentiation.
And it's that differentiation which enables uh, us to develop our uniqueness, but our uniqueness does not exist outside of um, the uniqueness of all other parts and outside of our common home, which is Mother Earth and our collective consciousness, which holds all together. So uh, it felt like the next um, in, intuitive or essential spiral was to pay it. And also because of the, um, the immense attack on diversity today, well, for, for you know, for quite a some time, but especially today where walls are going up, where uh, the oppression of diversity is is so violent and um, species are becoming extinct every day and cultural diversity is being oppressed and, um, you know, with walls going up and, and uh, very, very extreme um, violence against that which is different, um, it became clear that if we go to the roots of this, which is a fear of that which is different, which comes from our mindset of um, separateness, of, of hierarchy, of um, uh, privilege, um, of standardization of that which is, uh, which is a value of monocultures, whether it be a mono uh, religious culture, which, um, which interprets one religion as above, you know, one religion as the right way, or whether it's mono uh, agriculture, which has totally um, ruined the natural diversity of life and, and undermined uh, nature's capacity to replenish itself, or cultural diversity. There was this, this immense attack on diversity, which allows certain groups to maintain domination by, uh, you know, by creating the standardization of value. So in so many ways, when we get to the roots of the uh, current crisis, we can get to, we, we can focus as, as one of the key elements that needs healing is our relationship to that which is different, our understanding of that life enriching um, essence of diversity. And so this this is the theme of this, this coming seven days of rest is really um, nourishing diversity and nourishing our empathy with diverse perspectives and really creating a field to uh, to invite um, to invite people to join uh, together in really focusing on how to heal that relationship with diversity itself through many, many different uh, uh, and very exciting and possibility, you know, experiences that we will be co-creating uh, over these days and with many different inputs that are still coming in from, from many different people across the world around it. We're going to talk about all of those different expressions that are coming forward and so much more about the diversity piece of how how you can step into this language and understand the oh the call the call that comes from within it all you are listening to the dr julie show i'm julie kroll we're here with shelly ostroff we're going to take a quick break but first i want to leave you with this quote a time of rest enables us an opportunity to reconnect with the infinite intelligence of life it allows us to let go of the noise of external stimuli and remember ourselves and how to function as a coherent life affirming whole we're going to take a quick break and have so much more right after this
radio to inspire, encourage, and empower your life. This is Empower Radio. Blue is my favorite color. What's yours? What's yours? Red is my favorite color. What's yours? What's yours? Well, yeller is sweller for this little feller. And me, I'm keen on green. So what's your favorite color? Tell us, please. Kids will spend 20 minutes listening to songs like what's this. What's your favorite color? Tell us, please. What's your favorite color? What's your favorite color? What's your favorite color? What's your favorite? How about two minutes to brush their teeth? Brushing for two minutes now can save your child from severe tooth pain later. For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2min2x.org. Two minutes, twice a day. They have the time. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Mouths, Healthy Lives and the Ad Council. I wasn't prepared to be a caregiver to mom. I had no idea how hard it would be and what I would need to know. Things I never thought of, like how to improve her mood and ways for me to stay positive. Luckily, I found the Caregiving Resource Center from AARP. It had articles about the basics, but also information about the hurdles I was facing. Caregiving Resource Center at aarp.org caregiving. Articles, tips, and tools to help you both care for your loved one and care for yourself. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Hello, I'm Regina of Romancing Your Soul. One day on the bus, I overheard a young woman sharing her life story with the driver. She said, I came to Los Angeles to study nursing. I wanted to get away from Gary, Indiana, and my mother, who treated me badly. She never had a kind word for me, and to this day tells me I will not amount to anything. So I left, bound and determined to make something of my life. Not so much to prove her wrong, but to prove me right. Even as a little girl with my mom telling me how worthless I was, I knew I was better than that. And you know what? I do not hate my mother. She is jealous that I am making something of myself, and she didn't. I feel for her, but I refuse to settle for the same life she chose for herself. I made a different choice, just like all of us can. It was an honor to witness this young woman's testimony. She is living proof of what each of us can do when we choose not to be a victim of our circumstances, but rather to be the victor over them. Many blessings to you always. Hi, I'm Katie Couric. I've interviewed world leaders, CEOs, and celebrities, but my most important role has been as a mother. I've worked hard to encourage my two girls to believe in themselves. Girls with high self-esteem are better prepared to navigate life's challenges. So join me as we empower the next generation. This message was brought to you by the Alliance for Women in Media and made possible through the support of Dove and the Dove Self-Esteem Fund, working together to help girls reach their full potential. To learn more, go to Dove.com. You found Empower Radio. It's like sunshine for your soul. Now, back to the Dr. Julie Show. All things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back. Hey, if you're inspired by our conversation today, I invite you to share it with others and perhaps listen to it again. You can do that by visiting my website at thedrjulieshow.com, where you'll find all the archive links as well as a listing of upcoming guests. Again, that's thedrjulieshow.com. Also, stay connected all week on my Facebook page, All Things Connected with Dr. Julie, where we continue the conversation. I invite you to be a more conscious, 
generous, courageous, and compassionate co-creator of the beautiful, healthy world we depend on. Come work with me. There's lots of different ways you can do that. And you can check out those opportunities at juliecrawl.com. We're here today with Shelly Ostroff, founder and creator of Seven Days of Rest. You can find so much more at that website. And I'm going to say it slowly for you. It's www.7 as in the numerical number 7 days hyphen of hyphen rest.org so 7 the number days with no space no dot no nothing 7 days hyphen of hyphen rest.org I hope I said that slow enough so you can go find it if not just type in Seven days of rest in the Google bar, and it will take you there. Oh, Shelly, where to beginning? Um, that was a beautiful foundation for us in that first half. I appreciate you digging deeply into um, all of this conversation about diversity and, and those early um, formative years of how that came through the vision. And I want to give our, our friends out there an experience of what these seven days may mean for them, um, whether they're listening to this years after that week or if they're listening to this days before, there's opportunities for them to go deeper into this experience of really like, the, like okay, let me just start with, with the, the very essentials of what does it really mean for us? to meet and greet the essence of life-enriching diversity. What does it mean for us as individuals to have this experience and to reflect on this and maybe perhaps even engage in this essence of life-enriching diversity? So uh, the answer is as diverse as the listeners. <laughs> because um, you know there's so many portals into the essence of diversity I mean we spoke in the first half a lot about communing with um, other consciousnesses not human but um, you know for some it can be a very intrapersonal experience where you can really meet the different parts of yourself you know to, to really think about all the diverse aspects and intelligences and emotions and and skills and perspectives that one holds and voices within one's own, you know, consciousness is, is one portal. And it's a very important port portal because as we become more befriend diversity, we also have to look at the traumas inside ourselves that prevent us from, from meeting all of ourselves with grace and with love. And uh, of course, that means also how we relate to others. Um, and then, of course, with all of life. So there's there's so many different portals. You know, you can look at the diverse um, but perspectives, diverse um, uh, relationships, di diverse cultures, etc. But if you go to the roots of it um, to really meet the essence of diversity, what does she offer us? Imagine the consciousness, consciousness of diversity um, offering herself to creation and saying, what if, what if, you know, what if there were numbers in the world? What if there were colors in the world? What if there were mixes of these numbers and colors and shapes and sizes and sounds, etc.? And 
all of these diverse archetypes and and um, it's it's such a rich field to explore when one just asks about the essence of diversity herself or itself what what does it mean to you and that for me was a very very good place to start as I started meditating into what this year would look like is to really ask diversity what what it wanted to share with me and what it wants to share with the world and why nature has kind of um, adopted or used it or offered it to us uh, as as an essential aspect of uh, the healthy evolution of all of life. You know, I think that I just want to pause right there. Thank you. The healthy evolution of all of life. When we pause into that and just hearing your words say the healthy evolution of all of life, I'm thinking about diversity as um, this gift that really brings us fuller into our own expression like if we if we like you were talking mono culture mono 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 everything that's expressed right now and in the world when we look around we understand who we are by understanding that relationship of ourselves with other and you talk about you know, I think it's an important piece. I, maybe you can expand on this of how we recognize ourselves in the other and recognize the other in ourselves and perhaps even the opposite, how we don't recognize. And that's where perhaps the work begins is where we don't recognize ourselves in the other or we don't recognize the other in ourselves. But um, that one exercise, along with, like you had mentioned, there's, you know, different intelligences, different sensory experiences. There's all kinds of ways that we can dig into this expression of diversity. But um, yeah, the importance of, so Shelley, let's just pause for a second. There's number one, this importance of the diversity of human. And you mentioned that right before break a little bit. And yet there's this, you invite us to befriend the non-human perspective. And, you know, we might see that as very different in our mind. I don't. <laughs> you know, after listening to you and, and being your friend and, and really hearing and, and sensing into this, I experience the human and the non-human as part of that radiant diversity of all of life in that unified field of consciousness. But some of our friends out there listening may may only need to work on the human part. Others may choose to work on befriending the non-human. And what might you say, what wisdom might you add when there's a differentiation right there of human, non-human? I mean, it's another layer of separation that most of us would um, probably enact in this conversation. Mm. So, you know, we have the wonderful gift of imagination. And for me, imagination is a very powerful tool and intuition. And as we, these are tools also that have been, or gifts that have been a little bit suppressed by the uh, overvaluation of the um, rational mind. So when we, um, when we, move into a space of deep listening. If you're talking to a flower, if you're talking to the water, if you're, and you just um, almost imagine yourself becoming it. 
and ask yourself uh, questions or allow yourself to feel what does it feel like to be water and you give your body and mind a chance just to kind of relax into that imaginative experience what does it feel like to be ice what does it feel like to be rain what does it feel like to be a drop of water what does it feel like to be the ocean for me these kinds of questions that uh, are, are real portals into a lot of wisdom so it doesn't mean there are no right answers or wrong answers it's the question itself that ignites a an inner journey that stretches our perspective our imaginative perspective and then gives us a greater understanding of the other and it's that journey itself that i believe is so useful um, because um, we have that gift of imagination for children it's very uh, it's very immediate um, for adults we have to remember it and that imaginative piece especially when it comes from a place of deep honoring um, i experience that these portals open so it's it comes with a very deep intentionality and humility um, asking that being that other being to just reveal something about itself and then imagine you can also imagine yourself becoming it and what does it feel like what does the world look like from that perspective what is this other need from its surroundings in order to become all that it is and give what it wants to give to the world so this takes us back to the vitality code which really is about how nature organizes itself and says you know one of the prisms that i look at the world through is each part how does nature organize that each part of the whole receives precisely what it needs in order to manifest its unique potential in service of the whole in mutual nourishment with the whole in relationship with the whole so as you imagine yourself into this other being whether it's a tree you know what what function can it play in the world and even if we can't really see it in it's, this is not a utilitarian uh, uh question it's really why does it exist you know what is its what is its experience or what is why did nature create it and how does it live within this larger web of life and in that understanding you actually see that it plays an incredible function um it, it, sometimes it's an absolutely uh, essential function we can't live without water we can't live without fire we can't live without climate it's uh, you know a healthy climate etc but sometimes it's also an enriching perspective and a perspective that allows us to uh to enjoy more and more of the richness that life has to offer and so in exploring that that aspect of creation that is that you're communing with whether it's a flower or a stone or whatever and you ask it what is its experience why you know how does it live within its context what does it need in order to be able to become all that it is in service of life i find that a fascinating portal and that kind of questioning for me catalyzes a um an a process of inquiry that then creates greater understanding of the web of life and greater compassion for all of life and also it expands our uh own uh intelligence i think or intelligences to be able to recognize more and more of life within ourselves and of ourselves within these aspects because uh there's always um 
a level of similarity. There's always a level of difference. And in that mixture of similarity and difference, there is complementarity. So whether you're talking to a stone and identifying with its um, with its qualities of, you know, its multifaceted qualities, its smoothness, its harsh hardness, its uh, whatever it is about it, its color, its uh, where it is located in the context of its ecosystem, whether you're speaking, um, communing with a, um, a bird or a dog or um, whatever it is, um, that process of communion um, is, is to me what uh, is the essential reconnecting process for humanity to remember so that we can actually become more aware of ourselves as a part of life um, and not as a privileged part of life, but as an integral and, and interdependent part of life and even a, one of the more dependent parts. Mm. Okay, so I, w- I listening to you, I was, I was thinking about an exercise that I've had clients do where you commune with these non-human entities. I, I, it's really fascinating to ask yourself, if you were in an intimate relationship with, let's just say, water, how would water describe your relationship? And I think that is a fascinating portal as well of like, well, you take advantage of me, you don't appreciate me, you don't, you know, like you could literally have that conversation and listen to water or whatever that might be, the bird or the flower or whatever in relationship to you. Isn't that nice? Okay. So Mm -hmm. I want to give you some time to answer my favorite You have some themes for the days, and my favorite won't surprise you, but um, one of the days you ask us to go deeper into what this really means, and I am looking forward to hearing your response here. You invite us to co-create the conditions for diversity to flourish. On the day of expression, you invite us to co-create the conditions for diversity to flourish. What does that mean? What are the conditions? How does diversity flourish and how are we a part of that co-creation? I told our listeners early on that they are an important part of this formula and that they have an essential role to play in this entire conversation. So let's Let's address that, Shelley. Mm. Could you please? Well, um, so for me, I, I generally start with that question, what does it look like? And then I allow my imagination to kind of take me into different um, different scenarios. So how do we co-create the conditions for diversity to flourish? So f- for me, seven days of rest and radiant diversity is one of the offerings that I give to the, you know, that I'm offering as a way to cultivate it. Um, it's a way of opening curiosity, inspiration, uh, understanding, um, experience, you know, all the portals, the mental, the emotional, the physical, the spiritual, the uh, whole embodied portals for this to happen. 
Um, so it, it really, um, you know, for some people, it may look like sitting um, with a group of diverse people and really listening to their stories and noticing what are the conditions in the group that allow greater empathy and understanding and what are those that block them. And that process of inquiry through experiences is, is, is very powerful. Um, and it can be really going out into an ecosystem and exploring, you know, what does it mean for all of these parts in the ecosystem to live together and what, you know, how do they work together? So it's, it's whichever, whatever your passion is, whether it's more human related, whether it's psychologically related, culturally related, um, spiritually related, ecologically related, whatever it is, um, there's so many different experiences that just say, that just by spending that reflection time and asking the questions, how does this work and how, how do we, in, our, in the way that we relate to it, either nourish it or obstruct it, um, creates a level of awareness that I feel is the, next, is the first step to, um, to, the, to that uh, active nourishment. But first, you, we need to understand how... Uh, how our relationship, what is the impact of our current relationship, looking at the resistances to greeting diversity, looking at those processes that facilitate it. And I think we know that when we, you know, I mean, there's, there's papers and books that are written on that. But one of the things is um, when we generalize and categorize and standardize the way in which we look at life, we obstruct diversity, we block diversity. When we standardize what, it, what is intelligent, what is beautiful, what is wise, what is successful, mm. this obstructs diversity. When we actually explore, uh, you know, what our differences are and how they can actually uh, nourish each other and and really allow us to be more whole when we see the world from these different perspectives. To me, that's a nourishing process. And um, you know, so much of um, of our education, unfortunately, is geared towards standardization rather than to this radiant diversity, which enables every child to manifest their uniqueness. And so um, there's a lot of relearning that we have to do, unlearning and relearning in order to be able to listen to our soul purpose, to our body's wisdom uh, amidst the noise of what we should be doing, what is valued by a very, very, um, um, a very reductionist culture that we live in. Mm. Mm, okay, Shelley, I just want to mention we're quickly coming to a close here and there's so much more I want to ask, but I just want to presence this. You're in Jerusalem and seven days of rest is truly an international effort. You have dozens, I would say, of countries. I'm guessing I'm going to invite you to respond to this. How many would you guess? different organizations, individuals, and different countries are represented in this effort of seven days and seven days of rest. So um, last year, I think uh, 
we counted about uh, representatives from about 80 different countries. Um, I think there were a couple of thousand that signed up, three, uh, more than 3,000 that actually registered. It's an open event. Uh, you know, it's, you know, no one has to pay for it. Um, and um, so I keep getting confused when I say this year and next year, because this year's event, 2019, was about the foundations of life. And this and the upcoming one in 2020 uh, will be about radiant diversity. And people are invited to join from all over the world and, you know, co-create um, co-create events around it. Um, so I don't know how many this year will in the next event will will be joining, but I very much look forward to a very very diverse uh, global uh, participation and co-creation. Beautiful. So our friends listening can go to that sevendaysofrest.org website that I said sign up as an individual, organizations, create your own beautiful contributions in whatever way that might be, from art to a. a, a entire event there's so many different ways that people can get engaged is there any last thing that you'd like to say about this beautiful topic Shelley in two minutes or less mm -hmm. um, first of all just gratitude for really honoring this uh, this uh, theme uh, as we move into 2020 um, to invite people to the website where they can also be nourished by uh, the last two events um, material. We keep the material uh, as an archive and there's uh, wonderful meditations and reflection questions and um, videos from around the world that, uh, that are archived there. And uh, yeah, just really taking this opportunity to bless 2020 um, as uh, a year where we really come together um, in order to restore this uh, ancient wisdom of honoring and cultivating um, harmony and unity in diversity and empathy with all of life. And I think the word that really comes in here is the word empathy um, as a very powerful healing factor. And, um, and these kind of uh, experiences of communing with the other's perspective, whether it be human or non-human, putting yourself in their place and being able to look at the world through that is a very powerful tool for empathy. And I think uh, hopefully a wonderful, wonderful tool for really um, nourishing and restoring the radiant diversity on the planet. Mm, beautiful. Shelly Ostroff, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, your insight, and again, your beautiful way of really teaching us and bringing us into this experience with you. So thank you so much. Mm, thank you so much, Julie. Mm. And I want to leave you friends with some words of Shelly and the seven days in this quote. We are the generation entrusted with the most pressing challenges of our millennia. To effectively address the diverse challenges requires a quantum leap forward in our ability to come together and coordinate our efforts to protect life on Earth. Our survival and the survival of other species requires us to return to a deeper wisdom rooted in our fundamental interconnectedness and to reclaim our role as co-stewards of the intricate web of life.
You've been listening to the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. I'm Julie Crawl. Remember, together we are creating connections for the good of the whole. Until next time, I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.